Let us worship God. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us pray. O Lord our God, unto whom all the earth shall be accountable, we come to thee rejoicing that it is thy judgments that shall prevail, not the will of man, not the will of nations. Teach us so to walk, our Father, that ever mindful of thy word, that we by thy Spirit may be joyful in thee, filled with thy power, ever faithful in thy servants, and triumphant for thy kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Our scripture is Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Our subject... The fourth commandment. The fourth commandment, Exodus 28 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. We saw last week that one of the problems with the interpretation today of the Ten Commandments is that a minimal meaning is given. We saw that with regard to not taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain, it is reduced merely today to profanity. Profanity, we are told, is forbidden, which is true enough. But when we examine the past history of the meaning of this, we see that it had reference to justice. Taking the name of the Lord in vain by false oaths, by whether an oath is taken or not, the maladministration of justice. God's name represents justice. And therefore, wherever justice is not properly administered, God's name is taken in vain. Well, the fourth commandment similarly has been limited in its meaning. Now, one of the clearest distinguishing marks of Christianity is its requirement of a unity of faith and life. For as James says, faith without works is dead. As against Pharisaic formalism, St. Paul declared in Romans 2, 28 and 29, For he is not a Jew 
which is one outwardly, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. This fact applies clearly to all the law and certainly to the Tenth Commandment. It is not merely an outward profession. It is an inward one that is important. According to Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 3, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which he shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Now this is an important statement because God classifies the Sabbath as a feast day. The idea of a joyless Sabbath is a contradiction. The old-fashioned Sunday dinner and family gathering, including kinfolk, is in terms of Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 3. The Sabbath as a feast day, a celebration of rest, a weekly feast day, is God's mandate. Another text is also very revealing. Ezekiel 20, verse 12. Moreover also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. The Hebrew word for sign is oath, meaning a signal, an omen, a prodigy, something remarkable, an evidence. It implies a miraculous appearing also. The Sabbath, in this sense, is a sign between God and his covenant people. God made heaven and earth and all that is uh, in them, we are told, in six days and rested the Sabbath day. Because God is the absolute sovereign, and because, as Acts 15:18 says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world, There are no surprises or new events for God in time and eternity. History has no surprises for God. He creates it. God rests in his total government and providence, in his absolute control of all things. Now, the Sabbath is God's ordained rest for us. It is a sign for us because it is a weekly reminder that the future does not depend upon us but upon God, and we rest in the confidence of his victory. It is a sign of victory. It is a feast day because of this fact. As Christians, we especially should rejoice because he has come upon whose shoulders are the government of all things. Calvin saw three purposes 
in the Sabbath rest. He said, and I quote, For it was the design of the heavenly lawgiver under the rest of the seventh day to give the people of Israel a figure of the spiritual rest by which the faithful ought to refrain from their own works in order to leave God to work within them. His design was, secondly, that there should be a stated day on which they might assemble together to hear the law and perform the ceremonies, or at least which they might especially devote to meditations on his works, that by this recollection they might be led to the exercises of piety. Thirdly, he thought it right that servants and persons living under the jurisdiction of others should be indulged with a day of rest, that they might enjoy some remission from their labor. With respect to Ezekiel 20, verse 12, Calvin added, and I quote, We must rest altogether, that God may operate within us, unquote. It is an ironic fact that in our time so much is said against the Puritan idea of the Sabbath. But a great deal of the success of Puritanism with the people was their Sabbath because they insisted, as Christopher Hill has pointed out, that the working man had to rest. That was God's purpose. And under the old order which the lords, but not the people, called Mary England, working men worked seven days from sunup till sundown, so they welcomed the Puritan Sabbath. Calvin saw the Sabbath abrogated as man's rest because Jesus Christ is our rest. He called him the true fulfillment of the Sabbath. It is now, he said, a day of worship and prayer and rest from labor. The abrogation was, for Calvin, the location now rests primarily in Christ rather than in the day. The term Sabbath is applied not only to the seventh day and the seventh year, but also to the Day of Atonement. Indica indicating very clearly the relationship of rest to redemption. Before Exodus, we have no reference to Sabbath observance. Some see the use of the word remember in remember the Sabbath day as evidence of prior observances. However, we routinely use the word Remember, when we tell somebody something that is important, we say, remember to do this. It doesn't mean that it's the a repeated instruction. The Sabbath is a covenantal day, and its proper observance requires national participation. While family and church observances are essential, they are partial. A covenanted nation and people is the goal of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was introduced to Israel just before the law was given, when the rules of manna gathering were set forth in Exodus 
16, uh, verses 16 through 31. The fourth and fifth commandments differ from the other eight because they are positive statements. Remember the Sabbath day and honor thy father and thy mother. The others are all negative. Thou shalt not. Because law is a restraint on sin, laws generally must be negative. They are restraint upon man and also upon civil government, whose concern must be to restrain evildoers. To honor father and mother is a personal command to further the authority of family life and the Sabbath commandment in this form again calls for positive action in observance. It is not a restraint. This positive aspect is very clear. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It is to be a separate and dedicated day. It requires a cessation of labor in order to celebrate God's feast day, a day of assurance in God's victory and our rest therein. Remember the Sabbath day. Rejoice. It is important to remember that animals are included in the Sabbath rest. This is plainly stated in the Ten Commandments. In earlier years, when animals were the means also of transportation, many people would give the horses which carried them to church extra oats on their return so that the horses would also have their feast day and rest for the remainder of the day. The Hebrew Sabbath observance was from sundown the night before until dawn the morning after, which meant a day and a half, and many Christians keep a like observance. In verse 11, we are told that God commands the Sabbath rest as our Creator because He is the Creator. He establishes the rules of life, and the Sabbath is such a rule. We are therefore to keep the Sabbath as a means of respect for God and for the life he has given us. The day of rest is a day of feasting and worship because he so ordains it. In God's law, all fasting on the Sabbath, except for the day of atonement, is forbidden. No fasting on the Sabbath. And even on the Day of Atonement, after sundown, there was a feast. This is a very interesting fact. Jewish practice, quite rightly, excluded mourning on the Sabbath, and so does Christian usage. No funerals are held on the Sabbath. More than 50 years ago, Chief Rabbi Hertz of England predicted that, and I quote, Without the observance of the Sabbath, of the olden Sabbath, 
of the Sabbath as perfected by the rabbis, the whole of Jewish life would in time disappear, unquote. Well, that's exactly what is now happening. Honeycutt tellingly called attention to the dedication of the first fruits to God. He said that the whole of the crop was compressed into the first offering. This was the principle of pars pro toto. The part may stand for the whole. And we can add, this also applies to the Sabbath. It represents the whole of the week to follow. All of time is dedicated to God in the observance of the one day. To quote Honeycutt again, by refraining from his own efforts on that day, man effectually recognized divine ownership. Thus, all time belonged to God, as did the whole of the creation. Just as all of the grain, grapes, flock, herds, fruits, etc., belonged to him, and man acknowledged this by sacrificing a part of the whole, of the a part of the whole in lieu of the whole, so in the case of the Sabbath. Man sanctified a part of the week, and in so doing acknowledged that in reality the whole was the Lord's. Rest allowed the whole of creation to return to its criminal condition with the Lord, unquote. The Sabbath finds expression also in the seventh year rest and in the jubilee. In pagan cultures, work is seen as misery, and the goal is an escape from work through wealth. Escapism in paganism is both a religious and an economic goal. But as more than a century ago George Rawlinson said, and I quote, his law of the Sabbath established a conformity between the method of his own working and that of his reasonable creatures, and taught men to look on work not as an aimless, indefinite, incessant, weary round, but as leading on to an end, a rest, a fruition, a time for looking back and seeing the result and rejoicing in it. Each Sabbath is such a time, and is a type and foretaste of that eternal sabbatizing in another world which remaineth for the people of God." Unquote. What this means, then, is we rest. It is a feast day for us because we are on the winning side. Our God will overthrow all powers of darkness. And the Sabbath is a sign of rest and feasting, of rejoicing, because this is the victory which overcometh the world, even our faith. For us, time is not a dreary round leading only to death. Despite its very ugly discoloration by sin, it is a glorious process of redemption. Time is God's feast time for man. 
The six days have their griefs and troubles, but in the seventh we declare our faith and celebrate life and victory. And we set forth the fact that the other six and all the days to come for us are ultimately days leading to victory. So while the world tries to escape from time and work because life for them is miserable, for us, the Sabbath is a time of feasting, and it represents in part what the whole must be for us and will be in totality in the world to come. Let us pray. Thy word is truth, O Lord, and thou hast ordained from all eternity the victory which is to be ours in Christ. Teach us to feast and to rejoice on thine appointed day, that we might ever be mindful that we are more than conquerors in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Are there any questions now about our lesson? Yes. Why is the wife not specifically included in verse 10? Why is the wife? Because it is addressed to the husband and wife jointly. Yes. That's a question that has been raised before. (laughs) But uh, uh, the Bible addresses the... commandment to the heads of households jointly. Yes? I suppose since the yearly Sabbath hasn't been kept consecutively by anybody for so many centuries like the weekly Sabbath, if it were ever to become law or custom here, somebody would have to arbitrarily say it's going to be in this year. Is that not true? Or is there any way of figuring it out? No, there isn't. Uh, Many people do keep the uh, yearly Sabbath on the seventh year. The most notable group in this country are the Mennonites. So for, what, 300 years or 400 years? Yes, they have since the Reformation observed it. And in the Sabbath year, they make it a time of feasting and rejoicing and also uh, doing all the odd jobs, repainting the house and the barn. And Did we use their year right now? Well, uh, any year, I guess, would be an acceptable year to the Lord. (laughs) More and more people, however, are beginning to keep a Sabbath year, individuals across the country. Yes? The Supreme Court forbids the posting of the Ten Commandments on schoolhouse walls in Kentucky two years ago. Yes, I was in that uh, case as a witness for the state of Kentucky trying to uh, retain the Ten Commandments as against the ACLU and others. And uh, the Supreme Court reversed the state courts on that. Any other questions or comments? 
Yes. There seems to be a wide latitude among various religions on what constitutes work uh, or things that should not be done on the Sabbath. Where is it contained? How do you know what is work? Yes. Now, Phariseeism did go to all kinds of lengths to uh, provide the most detailed kind of definition. How many steps you could walk on the Sabbath, what you could do. Uh, And Orthodox Pharisees to this day will hire some neighborhood boy to come in and turn on the lights at sundown or to turn on the kitchen range if they're going to use it, because for them it's forbidden to do such things. I recall a scholar reporting that when he went to visit the very noted uh, Jewish scholar, Rabbi Klausner, they were having a discussion about some point in the Old Testament and Rabbi Klausner was going to confirm his point by reference to a book. And he started towards a ladder to climb up uh, to a top shelf in his library. And he stopped and he said, Ah, I cannot. It's the Sabbath. Now, that is Phariseeism. And it becomes very rigid. Feasting is permitted, but... Uh, There were those among the Pharisees who felt it was all right to get drunk on the Sabbath because that was not labor, that was pleasure. So you can get into ridiculous extremes. A great many churches have very strong uh, feelings about what can and cannot be done on the Sabbath. I believe that it is a matter... Uh, to be determined by each person in terms of their careful study of Scripture and their conscience. I think some people are needlessly troubled. I was uh, in one church visiting once, and I knew the people well. There was scarcely a person in the church I did not know. And there was one man whose work required that he work on Sundays, periodically, regularly, in fact, so that he'd have about, I think, uh, one Sunday morning a month free. He was always free by 5 o'clock Sunday night and uh, was always at church. He was one of the most dedicated givers, uh, one of the most uh, resolute of tithers, And yet he was made to feel that somehow he was sinful and had to find another job. I thought that was morally wrong. Because in the New Testament, what our Lord does say, referring to the Old Testament, that there are things that uh, must be done on the Sabbath, like rescuing a calf from a pit. Now, there are works of necessity in our time. Some things require continuous operation, like power plants. So, uh, those are works of necessity. 
we cannot, I believe, be too rigid. When we stress the details, we forget that the Sabbath day is called by God a feast day. And we become joyless inspectors of infractions rather than happy celebrants of our victory in Christ. Any other? Yes. It seems like the main problem in our time, though, is not people who really want to work on Sunday, it's those who want to uh, to recreate and uh, really to enjoy hedonistic uh, escapism, as you referred to it. Maybe yes. The key word for this is, uh, is holy in this commandment. Yes. Distinguishing our our celebration as Christians from uh, hedonistic pursuits which we see in the world. Well, uh, there is a double-edged point there, you see, uh, and you put your finger on it. We do have a hedonistic idea of rest today because we also have a hedonistic view of work. We've destroyed the meaning of both work and rest so that whether we work or rest, neither is uh, holy unto the Lord. That's the problem. We have destroyed the meaning of both. And I believe that you cannot have a true meaning of rest if you do not have a true meaning of work. Yes? Well, of course, some vocations are forms of worship anyway. Uh, physician mm-hmm. and uh, an official of the government and so forth. Uh, can't stop because it's the Sabbath. Yes. That's very true. To me, one of the curious facts, uh, I did some studying on this, and I couldn't find any indication that in the Old Testament celebration of the uh, Sabbath year, the priest or the Levite got the time off. Theirs was continuous. From childhood onward, I've wondered why the priest didn't take off. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, apparently that was the Old Testament practice. Everyone else did, but they didn't. <laughs> uh, I'd be happy if somebody finds something uh, <laughs> different in their research. Any other questions or comments? <clears throat> Well, we should remember the key here is that it is a feast day, rejoicing in victory. That's the first and foremost fact. And it is when people lose that fact, and I think false eschatologies, which have seen only defeat ahead, have taken out the joy from the Sabbath day. Uh, I mentioned the fact that the old-fashioned Sabbath observance was a family reunion. And as a boy, families would get together at the home of one or another relative every Sunday, rotating, for a dinner of three, four, five families that were kin, 
with from 20 to 40 or 50 eating together and having a marvelous day of it, a family reunion weekly. And that, I think, is in the spirit of the Sabbath, a feast day, holy unto the Lord. And since the next commandment has to do with honor thy father and thy mother, and the commandments are interrelated, we should uh, recognize that connection. Well, let us... Yes? Did you make a comment on the uh, why Saturday is the seventh day and why do we celebrate? Oh, yes. The uh, Very briefly, I've touched on this a few times, uh, the Hebrew Sabbath was in terms of the day on uh, of the date not in terms of the day of the week. It was on the first day of the first month, the eighth day, the 15th, the 22nd, and the 29th. So, it was always constant in terms of the calendar, just as our birthdays are. But as far as the day of the week is concerned, it changed constantly just as your birthday from year to year is on a different day of the week. Well, what happened was that as Jerusalem fell and with the various revolts, it was obvious it would not be reestablished, neither Jerusalem nor Judea. Maintaining the Hebrew calendar became more and more difficult except for limited purposes. But for the working week, the rabbis decided that they would take Saturday. So they switched from a date in the calendar to a day in the week. And ever since, the Jewish Sabbath has been on Saturday. This was not the original Sabbath. It was in terms of the day of the week. As a result, there has been a great deal of misunderstanding of what the Old Testament observance was. Uh, because of the change... Uh, the uh, Jewish calendar now prevails only at one point, the date of our Lord's resurrection, Easter. It is still governed, and that's why it shifts every year in terms of the calendar, but it's in terms of the same time by the Jewish calendar. So we've retained the Jewish calendar at that one point as have the Jews with regard to Passover. Well, let us conclude with prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee that Thou hast called us to rejoice, to be confident in Thy victory, to know that Thou shalt prevail, 
and we in thee. Make us zealous in thy service and joyful all the days of our life. And now go in peace, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Bless you and keep you, guide and protect you, this day and always. Amen.